My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. And we're live. Uh, Tyson Deaver, uh, author of the 2018 book, Trauma is a Team Sport. Now, what is the book about exactly? So the book is is my story. Um, and we went all the way back from the time I was a little kid all the way up until my car wreck um, and then beyond there. And so um, the last couple chapters are uh, kind of your motivational and challenging chapters. You know, I faced some adversity in my life. Um, here's how I've overcome that, some things that have helped me. And here's how you can take and apply that in your life as well. Hmm. You guys have uh, any trouble uh, publishing it? Uh, we, we went through Amazon and self-published. Uh, it was just a better route for us and, and, and what we wanted to do. Um, so, I mean, it pretty easy process. And, uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun writing it. It took us two years to, to get everything the way we wanted it um, and actually get it published and, um, you know, get through the Amazon deal. And uh, You make a pretty good sales off of it? Yeah, sales have been great. You know, um, I, when I'm on the road speaking, I get to sell books and uh, – you know, it, it makes a good stocking suffer for somebody looking for, for a gift for somebody. Um, so, you know, sales have been good. Um, all things considered with self-publishing, I mean, it, it's it's been fine. Yeah, I need to get into reading books more. Everybody else is doing it. I need to. I'm just stuck playing video games, and that's getting old real fast. <laughs> As the one addiction I'm trying to break from my younger years right still play video games uh you know i played when i was a little kid and and other than that i got into sports and you know i kind of left the video games then and never really got back on them but you know a lot of my buddies play to this day yeah so it's just i'm more i had one oh, sorry. i'm more of an outdoors guy you know I mean, when the weather's decent i'm normally out outside doing something yeah i've gotten that way over the years Especially in my late thirties, my father-in-law introduced me to hunting, so I get to experience the outdoors and always itching for it afterwards. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's there's just something therapeutic about hunting or fishing, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's something I've done my whole life. I didn't really start hunting until I was a senior in high school. My dad didn't hunt, so one of my buddy's dads took me, and and I fell in love with it. You know, just nature and being out there and just a good recharge for you. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people. They say it's literally the church for them. Yeah. I me, can see that. Me, me. It's a great place to nap. Right. That too. Yep. This early morning sits in the blind for sure. Oh, my brother, not my brother, my cousin and my wife, when I go hunting with each of them separately, mind you, uh, they both catch me snoring and I'm thinking to myself, Wow, if a deer were to show up, they'd know where I'm at. Right. <laughs> so, do you wish to tell us everyone about the uh, accident? Yeah. So, it was March 11, 2005. It was the day we got out for spring break. I'm going to school at Texas State University in San Marcos, just south of Boston. And, uh, you know, like all college kids, I was going to the beach for spring break. So, I'm going to go pick up my girlfriend at the time. And we're going to head down for spring break. Um, I'm on a two-lane road. 
on, in the left-hand lane. I'm a small town West Texas kid, so I always took the back roads as often as I could. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I did that day. Uh, I'm on a two-lane road in the in the right-hand lane, waiting on oncoming traffic so that I can make a left-hand turn in my girlfriend's neighborhood. And behind me is a single cab pickup truck. He gets tired of waiting, like most cars do, and so he goes around on the passenger or on the on the shoulder of the road and gets back in front of me. And when he gets around, that's when everything happened. A fully loaded concrete truck traveling close to 70 miles an hour. Uh, whether he didn't see me, his brakes failed, whatever he was doing, clearly wasn't paying attention. But he hit my car from behind. Uh, if you know who Bigfoot is, the big blue monster truck. Uh, I had a reenactment. I think it, this is probably what it would look like. You know, as my car sit there, Bigfoot hit my car and just went completely over the top of it. Um, and when he did, he knocked me into oncoming traffic where I was hit again by Nissan Xterra coming the other way. So I actually got hit head on by a second vehicle. So got hit twice, still 100% conscious, trapped inside of a burning car, doing everything I can to get out. And I wasn't going anywhere. In fact, I was trying to go out the back passenger side of the car, but clearly didn't know where I was. So I started screaming for help. Uh, luckily for me, one of the guys in the single cab truck, his name is Ryan Turner. Ryan saw the wreck happen in his rearview mirror. And so he come running up to my car and he got there and, you know, Ryan's probably five, eight or so. And um, I'm six foot and weighed about two ten at the time. There's just no physical way that he can get me out of that car by himself. And luckily for me, two more guys passing by that day uh, worked for ESPN radio at the time. Uh, Daryl O'Neill and Philip Breedlove, they see the wreck happen and they come running up to my car and Daryl reached in and grabbed me by my belt while Philip took the door panel of my car that was laying on the ground, picks it up. He jumps into my car, use that door panel to shield the flames, untangle my feet from what was left of the pedals while Ryan and Daryl pulled me out of the car. Uh, I mean, pretty impressive. If it wasn't for those guys, there's a great chance. I'm not here today on this podcast telling my story. Uh, as soon as they pulled me out, my car literally exploded into flames. And, you know, that's when I finally lost consciousness for the first time. Yeah, I imagine once the, your danger was over, your adrenaline slowed down and you just passed out. <laughs> yeah, but I ended up dying four times, you know, twice on the scene, once in the helicopter and then once on the operating table. So wow. it's safe to say it just wasn't my time to go. <laughs> I imagine now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're still alive. So that was one thing. Yeah, 100%. So uh, take us through the timeline of how your recovery went? It's pretty fast. Uh, you know, I mean, when something happens like this, it's, it is what it is. You know I mean? You can't change it. Uh, early on, my attitude was pretty good and I credit my parents for raising me right. And just instilling those, those values and that foundation to me that, you know, the doctor come in and told me I was paralyzed and I didn't believe him. I, I did, but I didn't, you know, I needed to hear from somebody that a little closer to me, somebody that I trusted in, Unfortunately, I put that on my mom and I asked her, I said, mom, am I paralyzed? And I had to ask her about nine or 10 times. And then finally she said, yes, Tyson, you're paralyzed. And I said, that's all right. I'll just go play wheelchair basketball. So that's the first thing I said when I found out I was paralyzed. But, you know, it was a conscious decision that I made early on. It is what it is. I can't change it. All I can do is make the best of it. And that's what I've mm-hmm. tried to do. Yeah, I understand that being born with bilateral club feet and all that definitely happened to adapt to the situation at hand and just keep with the cards that were dealt with you, right? Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, I ended up spending three weeks in the hospital and then I went to rehab, 
was there for three weeks, went home for a month. So I got my back brace and all my hardware off. I went back to rehab in Houston for another three weeks. And man, my, my wreck happened in March and in August, I was back in college finishing my degree. So um, it all happened fast and furious. And one of the, one of the biggest important things to me was just getting back to life. You know, like mm-hmm. it's too much sitting, too much laying around. I was ready to just go with me. Like, let's just go after this. And so that's what pushed mm-hmm. me. Uh, what year of high school did you graduate then? I graduated in 2001. Hmm. 2003 for me. Okay. So about the same time. We're about the same age. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was just checking because when you said you were in 2005 college, I'm thinking, now that's about the same time I around my time too. Yeah, yeah. I graduated in one Played baseball for a couple of years and tried to play. I had some shoulder injuries that kept me from doing that, and so I was like, you know what? I'm been playing since I was a little kid. I'm ready just to hang it up. And yeah. Finish up. Yeah, I tried football, and then tried joining the military, but they told me I could not. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's my lovely, little boring story. <laughs> what branch are you going to go to? Marines. There you go. Yep. And then when they said no, I was trying for the Army, then the Reserves. But they all said no. And I was like, well, oh, well, not much I can do about it. Yeah. The military. I wasn't brave enough to go that route. So. Me, I'm one of those guys that work when they say, okay, it's team environment, teamwork, I I meld in just perfectly fine, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know about how the other guys react to me. Right. But I don't know. It's just when someone's, when the uh, crap hits the fan, you know, that deadline stuff, I just thrive in that sort of pressure where it's just in your face sort of thing. Yeah. Get in and my, oh, sorry, what? Get in and knock it out. Yeah, right. So, uh, you talked about your early um, part of your motivational speaking. What, uh, how many places have you um, talked to? How many places? Uh, How many groups of kids? Uh, Tell us the progression from when you started all the way up. Yeah. I mean, when you start speaking, obviously it takes time to, you know, get, get your name out there, get your presentation built, find out what you want to do, who exactly your audience is. And so, um, for me, I mean, it started out relatively slow. Um, Kevin and Mike did a great job of helping me get out there and, um, get in some schools and, and really showcase what I do from there it just snowballed. Um, so now, I mean, I'm traveling all over sharing my story and I'm probably speaking, I don't know. I mean, COVID's kind of thrown everything in a, in a, in a bind here lately, but um, now that we're kind of getting out of that, getting back into it, I was speaking probably, you know, 50 to 60 times a year, um, which is quite a bit for a speaker, but, you know, I partnered with TechStot here in Texas. And so they funded grants, put me in anywhere from 25 to 35 schools a year talking about distracted driving. And so um, that that's a big part of what I do. But outside of that, I mean, I speak in the corporate world. Um, basically, if somebody needs a speaker, I've got a presentation for it. So um, it, it's getting built back up from COVID. And I imagine this time, this this year, I'll probably end up speaking probably around 40, 45 times. Hmm. Now, 
That that do a pretty good job paying the bills then? Yeah, it's it's been good. I mean, it's not one of those things you're going to get rich on, you know, but it's not why I do what I do. So if I can no. if I can make a difference in somebody's life or if they can take my story and use it and apply it in their life wherever they need it, then, you know, it, it, it's all worth it to me. Yeah, I use, usually when I'm feeling down, I talk to some of the guys that I've talked to over the course of my podcast, and they're pretty well straight with me and say, yeah, don't expect uh, this because I'm feeling down due to either numbers or analytics or something. I think, oh, it should have went faster. You know, the glory before the hard work, essentially. And they say, just keep grinding. Yep, that's it. Just grind. Yeah. So if you see a text from me on Instagram, it's probably that. For sure. Yep. I'm always available for sure. Nice. Now, You've been said you've been hunting since high school. Uh, have you done any hunting since uh, the accident? Oh yeah, yeah, I've done a lot. So I've got some land down in South Texas and do quite a bit of hunting down there. Um, I've been fortunate enough to go elk hunting in New Mexico a couple years ago. Um, that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, in fact, I've been three years actually. Um, so elk hunting is. Man, one of my buddies introduced me to that, and God, it's it's incredible. But here in Texas, you know, we have a pretty good whitetail season, so do that. Mm-hmm. Like to do varmint hunting, um, basically any kind of hunting or fishing, I'm, I'm game. Yeah. yeah. What's the uh, dream hunt you're going to be wanting to go on? My ex- absolute dream hunt would probably be an African safari. Hmm. It's going an African hunt, and I mean. Yeah, that would that would be the ultimate for me. Minus the the air flight and <laughs> getting all the way over there. Then that much right. on the airplane is going to be rough. But once you got yeah. there, it, it'd be worth it. That'd be the ultimate. I imagine just get business class seats. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Although, I think you could probably try one of those new websites. They can try and get you for first class. <laughs> yeah. But they pay all. But you have to pay them to get the seats. So. Yeah. It'd be worth it. I mean, I think there's ways. I mean, just talking with a different guy, I think there's ways you can break it up to where you're not on a plane for like 20 something hours. Um, yeah. That would be the better way. But with that, you know, your, your travel time is split up into a couple of days, probably several days. Yeah. Or a couple of layovers here and there, like two or three hours, then a 14 hour long flight. Right. And that's about it. Yeah. I, I know a guy I, talked to on the occasion a buddy of mine ryan Boatwin from ryan off the grid he uh that's his instagram handle and he went over to africa and he hunted black impala wow and i looked at one of those pictures and i'm thinking i want that in my living room too yeah for sure Sure. (laughs) just gonna call my wife over the phone can i get one of these black impalas yes Good, I already shot one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that makes an incredible now. Oh my goodness. I I looked at just one of the pictures, you know, online while I was talking to him and it was just magnificent. That's my African dream animal. I don't care about anything else. Yeah. Mine would probably be a kudu. Isn't that a big I don't even know what the heck a kudu looks like from right now. I'm gonna have to look that up while we're talking. <laughs> it's a big animal for sure. Yeah. Where are they located in Africa? Uh that I couldn't tell you. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's about the same as an an antelope, but dear Lord, those horns are nice. Yeah. We go spiral horns. Yeah. Now, you do any of the uh, exotic game animal hunting down in Texas? Yeah, yeah. So, the place I have, you know, in South Texas, we've got some axis, we've got some black buck. Um, so, I, I'm a big fan of axis hunting. Love it. Mm. So, if you've never done it, put it on the bucket list. They're just... They're they're just incredible animals. Aren't the access the ones with the uh, we the uh, moose style antlers or is that fallow? That's fallow. Yeah, mm. fallow has the palmation. Um, and axis just has most of the time three points on each side. Um, but mm. Big spotted animals, you know, probably. Ah, uh, yeah. The axis has the spots on it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome too. Seeing the spots up here is a bad thing. Right. Right. <laughs> Now, have you ever, uh, what is that one that comes from Afri- uh, Africa that they have? Neil Guy. You ever hunted? Those? I have not hunted Neil Guy. That, in fact, that's, I was just talking to my buddy yesterday about that. Um, it's on the bucket list. Uh, I, I would like to get a Neil Guy for sure. Um, that's a tough animal. You know, they're down in South Texas. So uh, it's yeah. on the bucket list, but I have not got one. No, I know the freeze affected them in 20, what was it, 2020? We had that big freeze yeah. down in Texas. Yeah, I know they said it killed off a lot of that herd, but I saw hearing that you have to shoot it like two or three times in the exact same spot just to drop it because their hide just absorbs that much of the shock and impact. Yeah, they're incredibly strong animals. Oh, kidding. I mean, look what they're actually supposed to be designed to take on. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think it was Giannis Patelis, he was set in you know, doing a necropsy on one of them. And he said the hide alone is over an inch thick Wow! behind, I think two inches of fat. Wow. So yeah, those things can take a hit. Yeah. Yeah. I shoot one of those and I'm not going to be hungry for another year and a half. No, it's a lot of meat. From what I hear, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's like the cow of Africa. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's the second one I want to shoot from Africa. I know they got all these unique animals over there, but any uh, Western-style hunts that you would think you'd want to do? Uh, Not off the top of my head. Hmm. Uh, You ever think about doing mountain lion, bear? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Mountain lion. I've talked to a couple of outfitters out in New Mexico to do a mountain lion hunt. I haven't found one that would sign up for it because a lot of them are, you know, chasing with dogs. They get it to yeah. up and they said, you know, to get you in position in time to, to get a shot, it's going to be difficult. It's going to take some luck, you know, try to tree one up next to a road or somewhere close. Um, but if I can find an outfitter that's game, I mean, it'll probably take an army of people to, to make it happen. But man, that would be, that would be awesome. Well, I know uh, Shannon Cortman actually. He's a guy I interviewed previously, along with the uh, Hunters for Life. They're based out of Michigan, and they did a black bear with dogs. And Shannon, they were originally going to use a tractor to get him through the woods, yeah. but the woods up there, you know, super dense and thick. So they ended up happening to carry him through the woods to those dogs yeah. over a mile and a half away. Wow. They end up using a sled for part of it, but it was just bad and 
then he ended up shooting the bear, basically holding the gun up with one arm and mm-hmm. bracing it with the other and had to pop it twice. Man. But he got his black bear. Yeah. So, so yeah, where there's a will, there's a no, way. You can make it happen for sure. Um, we were talking about that this weekend. My buddy and some other guys come down and we were talking about this exact thing. And he's like, dude, I'll carry you. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, it's going to be in the mountains. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty hardcore deal. You know, it's going to take more than one or two guys carrying me because you're going to have to switch off and take some turns because one guy is not going to carry, carry me all the way over there. So I don't know. I mean, if, like I said, with some luck, if you can get one tree fairly close to a road, I mean, you can and make it happen. Um, I don't know. Now, I know uh, what I was talking with him is you can use a gurney style setup yeah. where, you know, you're sitting upright a little bit, strapped in with a seat belt, legs are in. You got either two guys on each side of you, uh, you know, do a four by f- a four man crew ho- pulling you up or just a gurney while you're sitting in the middle and one guy's behind you, the other guy's in front of you. Yeah. But. We were talking. I was talking about that with uh, Shen and and also my buddy Scott, who's the vice president of Hunters for Life. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, because Shannon's about ninety eight pounds, so two man would be good for him. Yeah, us bigger guys, not so much. Yeah, no, for sure. I do have an action track chair, so I can utilize that too, um, depending on on the terrain and you know how how doable yeah. that is." Well, if it's oh, pretty open, if like Western mountain, Western hunting in mountains is pretty open terrain versus out, out East where it's, you know, dense vegetation, Right. that thing should be able to get moving. If, yeah. How fast, how fast do they go? I know I've Yeah. I mean, they've got a new one out called the Axis um, and it's supposed to be a little bit faster. Uh, I have not tried that one, but the one I have, it's not real fast. But man, that sucker will climb pretty much anything in front of it. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's I know. Chair. Yeah, they definitely can't tip over from the backside. I've seen that was that back brace in the back. Yeah. Keeps it from tipping over, right. which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure if you got it in the right position, it could, but I, I've never had an issue. And you know, I've put it through some pretty gnarly stuff. So. <laughs> That would be one of those test subjects you'd have to try out. It's like, okay, this is standard mountain lion territory. Let's just run through it and see how it works. Yeah, for sure. But uh, what all models have you tried of the track chair? I just have the standard version, the one that they originally come out with. Um, so I haven't tried any of the other ones. You know, I know they've got some now that stand, um, and the Axis is the new one. Um, all the- yeah. Hadn't got a chance to try any of those, but um, I'm hoping. In fact, my track chair is for sale. I'm about to, to sell it and then hopefully upgrade to, to the Axis. So, uh, yeah. having some speed and a uh, little easier to get into for me uh, yeah. would be, be nice. They have pretty good suspension on the Axis then? Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it has much of a suspension. Um, they, they've done some through the design made it to where it'll absorb a little bit better. Yeah. The one I have, it's pretty rough, um, but you know, it's an all-terrain chair, so it's supposed to be a little bit, so it, it's not terrible. Yeah. Just put some extra cushion on the backside. Yeah. And call yeah, it a day. yeah. You definitely want to do that. 
I noticed something when I was, because when I go my hunting blind, we use those director's chairs mm-hmm. where, you know, it's just, it's tension that just keeps your butt on there. And I haven't felt any problems sitting in those chairs versus sitting in a cushion style chair. Me think about trying to switch that out, see if that helps out with sitting it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't hurt anything. <laughs> I'm always yeah. I've always got a cushion under me. I'm a Rojo guy, so I always have a Rojo cushion underneath me. So I've never heard of a Rojo cushion. No, it's a it's an air cushion, so uh Yeah, that's about this. That would imitate similar to a uh, tension style seat, so yeah. Now, you have any uh, other things that you, any other plans for the future or whatnot? Keep doing what I'm doing, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, the more hunting and fishing that I get to do is makes me a happier person. Um, other yeah. people around me tell me, but uh, no, I mean, any any time to get out in the woods or on the water, I mean, for me, that's that's where it's at. It's a recharge, yeah. and you know, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty level playing field you know i'm on the boat fishing or in the blind hunting i mean it's i just love everything about it yeah i just saw the uh axis deer in your instagram and holy cow yeah i i'm literally jealous of that one now well they're they're incredible animals but man if you're a venison eater that is when when i was elk hunting those guys said they prefer axis over elk me i like elk to me, elk has been king from what I've had so far, but I mean, Axis is right there with it. It's Ford and Chevy conversation. You know, they're, they're both can't go wrong. Uh, I haven't had any elk or Axis, so I can't describe it yet. So I'm just still sticking with the uh, Pinto. Yeah. White tail. Yeah. Well, nothing wrong with that either. No. Well, and I'm going to keep on saying this line till I'm blue in the face. It was uh, uh, the Huff Buck. You hear about that one? No, I don't think so. World, I know, set, yeah, North America number two, United States number one, straight out of southern Indiana. Wow. 212. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. I'm looking at the uh, lovely car oh, yeah. accident. Yeah, you were not kidding when you said that thing looked like it went through a trash compactor. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just there's nothing left of it. In fact, the only thing left was the back left wheel, which would explain why salvage was $300 on it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it was 2000 model Corvette, so just nothing left. A Corvette, yeah, that's my favorite car in the world. Well. You'll be happy to know we had experts come in, redesign or recreate the wreck, and both experts come back and said the design of that car is what saved your life. Oh wow! So pretty incredible. Yeah. Now, uh, your high school, your college sweetheart was that is she the one you married, or you married to somebody else? No, no, I'm not married, so it's just me. Oh. Um, we ended up a girl that I was engaged to. Um, at the time of my wreck, we, we split ways and, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it changes the game. So it's, uh, yeah. everything changes at that point. So, uh, uh, we went our separate ways and, you know, it's just me. So speak hey. on fish. That's what I do. Hey, I can't blame you. Yeah. 
I'd like to do a few more things with my life a little bit. I get obviously the eight year old that loves terrorizing me during podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trade him for the world though. Yeah, for sure. I just want to be, I think I'd like to eventually get down the road that you're on. <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. It's but, been good. Yeah. So do you think anybody could get into speaking or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to what is your story? You know, what, what, what message is it that you want to relay uh, hmm. to, to your audience? You know, who, who's your audience going to be? You want to talk to kids? You want to talk to adults? And then from there, you know, what point do you want to get across and build your presentation around that, put your story into it, put examples and videos or whatever you need to need to do. Um, just build that presentation. And then from there, anybody who will listen, just start speaking. Mm-hmm. That's similar to the way a podcast works. Yeah. Right? Very much the so. audience. Yep. Very much so. Yeah. What were your thoughts? And I'm just asking because I'm thinking about this, actually. What were your thoughts when you saw me ask for, for you coming on my show? Yeah, I, mean, I was open to it. Um, I saw the, the adaptive outdoors. I mean, obviously, that's a big part of my life. And uh, yeah. I met a lot of good people, um, you know, one through the outdoors, but two in the adaptive world. Um, so you put both of those together. I'm always going to be game for that. Yeah. Well, I know a guy that can improve your bow shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Preston Ward. Okay. His episode just recently aired, so I will check it out. <laughs> yeah, but do you want to do any plugs for uh, social media or anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would love for you know if somebody wants to follow me, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. If somebody's looking for a speaker, you can go to my website, um, TysonDeaver.com, T-Y-S-O-N-D-E-V-E-R.com. Um, and obviously, as we talked about, my book is available on Amazon. Trauma is a team sport, how to turn tragedy into goal crushing motivation. Um, you don't have to be, be a person who's been through trauma in your life to relate to this book. Uh, no matter where we come from or what we do, we're all going to have some speed bumps in life, right? Some, some difficult times where we need some help and some motivation to get through those times. And that's what this book's for. So um, if it can help somebody, that, that that's why we wrote it. So I, I would love for you to check it out. Yeah. And I got one final question and it literally just popped into my head. Are you wanting to make more books? That's a good question. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, book number two, it's a thought maybe down the road. I mean, like I said, it took us two years to get this one out. Um, so I probably need a little more time under my belt um, with some stories between this one and to the second one. But I don't know. There, there's, a, there's a possibility that book number two is coming down the pipeline. Yep. Well, here's hoping I'm part of that one, too. For sure. <laughs> well, all right. Well, thank you for coming on, and thank you for sharing your story, and hope to have you on again in the near future with another book. Yep, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. And yep. Yeah, best of luck to you. Yep, you too.